Principal Matters Podcast, episode 147. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. You can check out all my resources for school leaders at my website at williamdparker.com. Today, we're going to be discussing providing focused and budget-friendly professional development with my guest, Jen Schwanke, who is also serving as co-host for this series on strategies and solutions that work for school leaders. Jen Schwanke is the author of You're the Principal, Now What? Strategies and Solutions for New School Leaders, and she's the principal of Indian Run Elementary School in Dublin, Ohio. Jen, welcome back to Principal Matters. Thank you so much for joining us for this series of episodes. Today, I heard that you were hosting an event even on Saturday. So tell us what's going on in Dublin, Ohio. This was a wonderful initiative my district put together. Our um, director of elementary and secondary education came together and we partnered with a nearby community. And both of our schools have between 15 and 20,000 students and we offered Parent University. And it was a day-long event where parents could sign up and attend. There were, oh goodness, there were probably 150 different sessions hosted by teachers or principals or uh, social workers parents could attend. So it was quite a doozy. It was, it was a great day. We called it Be Well because we talked about so many different ways that we can help our children and our students be well. Oh, I love that. And, you know, when you think about professional development for parents, professional development for teachers, it can be a pretty overwhelming and daunting task to think about how do you strategize for good PD. And so today I just want to really dive into this, Jen, and I really feel like this is a strength area for you. And one of the things that I enjoyed about your book was some of the very practical ways that principals can tackle sometimes this very overwhelming responsibility. So let's talk first about the important things to keep in mind for developing professional development plans. And I think a lot of it depends first on where you are. Oh, absolutely. Professional development is a mind-boggling task if you try to take it on yourself and if you assume that it has to look exactly the same no matter where you are. But it really does change depending on the size of your school, the size of your district, say. Even the number of teachers in your building is going to drive the way you take your professional development plan. Well, and I just want to give a quick shout out because Principal Matters listeners, some of you are listening close to my home here in Oklahoma or close to Jen's home up there in Dublin, Ohio. But Jen, I was looking at the stats on list listeners just last week, and we have listeners to this podcast in places like Australia and Canada. We have listeners in California and Alabama and Arizona and New Jersey and New York and Georgia. And if I've left you out, I so apologize. But we have we have listeners in India and Singapore and the Philippines. And so principals, you are encountering different sizes of schools, sizes of districts. And so we're going to try to focus this conversation on the experiences that Jen and I have had in leading schools that we've led. Jen, you're in a a rather large school district. How would you describe the demographics of where you are? My district has about 16,000 students, and we range from extremely affluent down to significant poverty. We are a huge geographical area, a farm town gone wild, so to speak. And so, you know, the the PD that we offer to our teachers, and as you heard earlier, to our parents even, and our, our principal administrative team, it really does have to be tailor-made for the demographic that is sitting in our schools, that is enrolled in our schools. So everybody, every principal in my district would probably approach it a little bit differently, as would all the principals, I think, that are listening to this 
podcast. And so our intent here is to keep it general, but very, very applicable and very personalized so that you can take some of these tidbits and and adapt them to what your needs are. And one of those would be previous professional development, what has happened earlier in the district. So, you know, if you if you think, okay, what have we done the past few years? Or if you're new to a building, what are these teachers used to? Was it once a week, a um, uh, sit and get PD where they sat there diligently for 45 minutes and then went back to their classrooms? Or was it more choice-based and long-term planning type stuff? So you got to look at what's happened previously before you start to look to the future. Well, and I think you also have to look at the level of your learners. And so, if you know, depending on if you are elementary or secondary or depending on the level of your teacher learners, too, because sometimes you have early career educators that you're working with. Sometimes you have veteran educators that you're working with. And so I think it's important to be able to assess where are the skill levels of the people with whom you're working. You know, in Oklahoma, and I know across the, a lot of states in the United States, we have teacher shortages in, in some areas right. where it's di- more difficult to find advanced degrees or it's more difficult to find teachers of a foreign language. For instance, in Oklahoma, we've had difficulties finding even, even art teachers at times. And so right. because of that teacher shortage, we've also had a lot of alternatively certified teachers coming in who may not have had the same formal internships or student teaching that we had had in previous years. And so a lot of principals that I'm talking to are not only just introducing new teachers into their staff, but they're also having to shift the way they coach those teachers because now they're having to become instructional coaches, not just instructional leaders of of a staff, but also learning how to provide instruction for teachers that they in previous times would have been provided through their student teaching experience. So where do you begin? And what I would say is begin with data. And by that, I mean any kind of data. It could be looking at your student demographics and how it's shifted. If you all of a sudden have an uptick in EL learners, that might be a PD area you could really address. But data can also be, you know, the the longevity of the teachers in your building or the number of literacy resources that you have. Mm -hmm. It could be anything that really pertains to your school. But if you can back it up by numbers, that's a way that you can can really get yourself started. And we're going to talk in a little bit about asking teachers, what do you need? And that is the, uh, probably the most powerful data of all when planning PD. I like that. And then I think the next step is resources that you already have available because for some districts, they may have access to more uh, support or more resources or more Title II funding or whatever it is. And then some districts have have less. And so knowing what you have available can often help decide what you're going to be providing teachers and that kind of support too. And let's also talk about the umbrella that is covering it all. And that is your district priorities. Mm -hmm. It's not okay for a principal to go rogue if the district has one or two or three goals for the year. And you say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to work on what I want to work on. I think that the district priorities that have been outlined by the superintendent is a great starting point too. Probably a, a very important starting point. Well, it definitely will drive the direction that you're going. And principals carry such a difficult tension in their work because you have the priorities that you know are internally driven happening in your school. And then you have the priorities that you know are coming through your district. And then you have priorities that may be handed to you from your State Department of Education. And you have priorities that could be handed to you from federal guidelines. Exactly. So so all of those things are going to feed into the kind of professional development that you get. Sometimes you have a choice in the professional development that you provide. And sometimes you don't. It's a mandate and you need to make sure that you're fulfilling it because that's your responsibility and and it's the law. So that's the framework, I think, for 
what we need to jump into next, Jen. You had some thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, let's keep for the purposes of this podcast, let's assume that you've met your district mandates and you've got a little bit more choice for your building. And I think we can talk about some recommendations, Will, that you and I have, have discussed about how to get started. And, and as we previously mentioned, gathering the history is a great start. I like to talk to the uh, veteran teachers and say, tell me about PD in this district or in this building, because they will tell you, first of all, they will, they will share. Because if it's one of those where they say, okay, you know, PD is worthless. It doesn't apply at all to my job or what I'm doing. I hate it. Well, then, you know, you've got to start by rebuilding the uh, the way people think about PD. Because my view, call me a geek, but PD's fun. And it should be something where you walk away and think, I'm going to try that. And I have the tools I need to try it right now. Mm-hmm. So if PD is thought of as a negative thing, maybe that's, you know, how teachers are held accountable or the topics that have been addressed or the lack of applicability, whatever it is, you want to have PD be something that people look forward to. Well, I agree. And you want your the PD that you offer to be the kind of PD that you would want to receive. And so it's, the same thing as the classroom. If you have students, if you want engaged students, then you have to ask yourself the question, well, how do I like to be engaged? Exactly. So that's with images. That's going to be with participation. It's going to be with feedback. It's going to be with stories. It's going to be with multiple parties within that setting participating in the learning that's happening. And so I think getting an idea of the history so that you know how to move forward is so important. And then I think it's important too to ask other people what they need as well. You mentioned just like the kids, and that's so true with adults. You know, we need to ask them what what is going to matter to you, what is going to interest you. I've done this through surveys, conversations, uh, responses to school initiatives. If I if I outline something that we're going to do a little bit differently, and they say we don't know how, we need trained on it. Well, there you go. That's where you where you can start your PD. But you know, just like the students, they need a little bit of choice. They need a little bit of voice in in what's going to happen, and it needs to be applicable to that daily work. And then, of course, comes the part that all school leaders need to remember, which is organization. You know, we, <laughs> if you're going to be, if you're going to have good PD, that means that you have to find time. So what are some suggestions you have on, on finding time for PD that could, because so often I hear school leaders feel like they don't have time for PD. Right. And that's what teachers say too. There's never enough time. And so if you make peace with that, there never is going to be enough time. Then you can just get creative with solutions for finding some time. And I have been incredibly creative, probably to a fault. I can get classes covered. I can cover classes, whatever I need to, to get teachers to go and see other teachers teaching. We also make one Tuesday a month sacred. No IEP meetings, no parent meetings, no staffing, nothing, nothing, nothing on that Tuesday. And that's when we all get together for, in my building, what we call professional development. Academy. And it's a teacher-based, choice-based learning environment. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But finding that time and really sticking to it, it's easy to say, oh, it's just PD. We can cancel that or postpone it. But if it's a priority, it needs to be time that you hold sacred. And I think that thinking long-term and short-term helps. So, you know, you can talk about next Tuesday's PD, but you also need to think long-term. So I know that in your work, you probably think very long term, several years down the line. Yeah. And that's important too, because you know ahead of time what you need to block for specific times of learning too. But I want to back up, Jen, because that's so inspiring. What did you call that again that you do with your teachers every Tuesday? Our Professional Development Academy. And it's the fourth Tuesday of the month. And it's a sacred, sacred time. And everybody knows that's what we're doing, that I am not going to schedule anything else no matter what. Well, that's that's such a great idea for trying to create a school-wide focus on 
times that you can learn where nothing else can distract yep. you from that. And those of you that are in schools where you're leading large teams, whether that's PLC teams or department teams or teachers that share common plans, you know that PD isn't just a one-day thing. It's not all of your staff at the same time. It can be within those smaller settings. It can be in those one-on-one settings too, where you're following up with teachers one-on-one in those conversations too. So, But planning short-term and long-term is so important. So it's important to have a vision of what your goals are for that year. And then it's important to make sure you build your PD around that, what that vision looks like too. But once you have that vision, Jen, I think the harder part too is, is doing the work. And right. so what are some suggestions you have on, on getting that work done? Well, you know what? The moment that I started loving PD as a principal, as opposed to hating it, was the moment that I realized I could spread out the work. I didn't have to be the sage on the stage at all. I didn't even have to know anything about what topic we were covering. I could delegate and I could find some people who could help me with this. And we'll talk a little bit about this later when we talk about outsourcing, but there's so many experts within your building, within your district, or through some collegial relationships you have. And so what I can do is I'll say, you know what? We have a lot more students moving in with absolutely no English. They are non-native speakers and they don't know anything. My biggest priority is a sense of belonging in the classroom. I need an expert for that. So I phone a friend and set up a PD. And then I sit back and learn too. So I am not like a rat scurrying through professional development books, trying to figure this out. I find somebody who can come in and delegate that work. So I am learning right along with my staff. That's so good. And, you know, I feel the same way. And of course, in the work that I'm doing now with working directly and training school leaders, I'm always trying to think of when I hear of a great resource, when I'm learning something important, when I realize something that I didn't know before, how can I capture that and then translate that back to other people too? We, we've been having a lot of discussions in Oklahoma, and I know this is a national conversation too, about how to work with, with trauma-informed practice. How oh, do you work yes. with students that are going through trauma? And so, you know, there's an expert in my city who has been working with trauma-informed practice for more than two decades. Her name is Dr. Barb Sorrells. And I, I heard her present recently at a conference where she was not only looking at the brain research, but also she stepped into some really specific strategies of what you could do in classrooms to help kids transition into stronger functioning parts of your normal school day. And I thought, wow, I'm learning. How can I capture her and help her learn with others? So next week, we're hosting an event with about 50 school principals and educators coming in and Barb's going to teach them. And so when you see an expert, when you, when you land on someone that knows something you don't, how do you grab them and introduce them as a part of your professional development? And what you've done there, Will, is talk about knowing when to outsource. So you do have a ton of internal experts that you can utilize, but there's times you have to look outside of your typical roster of teachers or experts and find someone out there who's doing the work and has lots of research and knowledge and capabilities that you aren't going to necessarily find on your own staff or in your own district. And outsource. Bring those people in because they know. They know things that our teachers have only begun to sense. Mm. And then sometimes you may not have good PD. And so let's talk about that a little bit too, because sometimes you could hear about experts, but but what are some of the steps you take to vet them, Jen, to, so that you know that you're getting quality? Right. So I'll tell you what, I, every principal on earth will sympathize when I say that I open my email in the morning and I swear every day there are five to 10 emails from PD vendors and they will come and they will change our lives with their wonderful PD. And you know, you can't just jump on the first vendor or the first contractor that says, hey, I can come in and change your world because it really has to be more mindful than that. You, you know, we've talked 
talked already about probably 10 different things to consider when planning PD. And so you've got to vet that. And I'll tell you what, the best thing is phone calls. Just like we would call for references on a teaching candidate, you know, I always say, call the references that aren't on the resume. That's what I do with PD too. I say, don't tell me about the principal who is pleased with your work. I want to know about all the principals. Mm -hmm. And then I will call some of them and say, tell me what this was like. And I really have avoided some duds by doing that. I've heard, don't waste your money. That's all I need to hear. So um, that's, you know, when when you're outsourcing, you have to be really careful to vet. That's so important. And I think it's important, like you said earlier, to reach out to people that you know who know that that person, because your principal's friends are going to be honest with you. If that person yes. came in and they delivered quality, they're going to tell you. Absolutely. If they came in and didn't deliver quality, they're going to tell you. Uh huh. What are some other suggestions? Because I know we've got a few more as we wrap this up. You know, I think um, following through is important. Sometimes you'll have a PD unfold in your building and there will be more questions than answers. And I think that is such an amazing opportunity to go with it and follow through and say, you know what, I'm going to find out more about that. I'm going to find an expert who can come talk about it, or I'm going to get answers to your questions and bring them back to you next month when we come together. Because teachers hate the one and done. They hate it and they will talk about it and throw it back into your face whenever you try to launch anything with PD. So you've got to follow through and again, make it meaningful so that when they walk out of that PD, they know that there's going to be more answers coming that they can apply in their instructional work. You know, another way that PD is done too is through reading together. And so, and so let's talk about that for just a moment. I love professional reading development because it's cheap. Generally, it's easy. It's applicable. There are wonderful books out there, wonderful resources. This past year, we launched a book study PD in my building. And I literally just asked the staff, what books do you want to read? And we got a list of 10 texts and every, you know, I said, who's willing to lead it? And okay, we signed up and then I bought all the books. And so I had a few thousand dollars wrapped up into year long book studies. And as the teachers got together on their own time, by their own choice, writing their own agendas, they could really talk about how it affected their own work. So whether they were teaching first grade or 12th grade, whether they were a guidance counselor or an intervention specialist, they could read these books and and pull things from them that they needed. Needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not just books that, that you buy at the bookstore or on Amazon. There's wonderful online resources, too, that you could get a PLC or a group of teachers together to study. And again, cheap, easy, and for the principal, largely hands-off. You can ask for minutes from the meetings at the end and get a really good picture of what was discussed. And the powerful thing about books, too, Jen, is, is how it can provide you with opportunities for self-reflection. Right. And you know, there's a great book by Pete Hall on the power of self-reflection for improving instruction. And I believe the same thing happens with teachers. It happens with us as principals too. But anyone who wants to improve in their craft has, you have to be able to reflect on where you can grow. And so books, you know, they can be affordable, they can be easy, they can be applicable. And it's something that you can do with others. And in fact, that's exactly how I met you when Dr. Grayson right. My colleague at my state association bought your book and we were using it to study with groups of new principals. We were able to reflect on your experiences and then ask ourselves, well, how did we relate to those? And Jen, we even at times would ask, what happened in this scenario that you agreed with the author or what would you have done differently differently from the author? And so it's just a healthy way to engage in professional development, put yourself in the shoes of someone else and learn from their concentrated efforts that they took to write down those stories 
One of the risks we took this year with our book study group is some of our books were not traditional school-based books. We read some wonderful texts because the teachers wanted to. They said, we've got the literacy stuff down. We've got the instructional practices and assessment. We want to read Unselfie by Dr. Borba. And it's about having empathy in today's social media world. We read What Made Maddie Run by Kate Fagan, which is a terribly heartbreaking but very relevant story about raising teenagers today. We read Factfulness by Hans Rosling, which is a, a great book saying, hey, the world isn't as much of a mess as you think it is, people. And our teachers ate it up. Because it wasn't the same thing by a different author. It was really, really applicable information about the things that their students are dealing with right now as we speak. Wow. You're just making my heart sing because (laughs) as I think about the ways that we can engage people with content that's not even necessarily education focused, but it's going to be the growth mindset. It's it's keeping ourselves open to new ideas, pushing ourselves to think about things. And that's one of the reasons that I often will listen to audiobooks when I travel or read books that are not education related. Like right now, for instance, I'm reading the biography of the Roosevelt's by Doris Kearns Goodman. And it's an amazing, just blow by blow account of the stories of Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt and their lives during all of the years that he served in the presidency. What in the world does that have to do with education? Well, it's expanding what I understand about that time period. It's helping me understand the context for a lot of the social programs that were developed that we're still, that we're still encountering today. Uh And it shows me another sample of leadership that I can go, hmm, he did that well. And he did not do that well. Right. So let me right. figure out what now, how can I reflect on my own leadership of maybe places where I can improve or places where I can avoid that pitfall? And I love so- books like that because it shows all leaders are human. And that's really mm-hmm. what this is about. We're all human, just trying to do our best. Well, and then in addition to books, we've got other resources too. So let's talk about that as well, because boy, talk about the opportunities that we have for PD that come to us now that didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, we have webinars, we have online classes, we have hybrid classes with sometimes a mixture of online and in-person. We have, um, you know, so many different resources that are put out by different districts or teachers or PLCs that we can tap into. My uh, group of principal colleagues does a principal's academy every year and we do some professional learning and then we compile the resources into a Google Doc and it takes me about six months to read through those. There are article links or there's just little YouTube clips. Sometimes they're fun and funny. Sometimes they're weighty and hard to think about. Mm -hmm. But a lot out there right now about, like you mentioned, trauma, students facing um, poverty, refugees, diversity, getting the right kind of books in front of our kids so that they see through windows and mirrors. You know, all of those conversations that are happening, happening naturally, we can find those online or find a resource that's readily available to everyone. Well, Jen, I don't know if you want to jump into examples of how to map out a school year, but as you think about this framework that you have for identifying resources, identifying experts, finding out where your teachers want to grow, when you have all of those things in mind, I think it's important to think about that school year ahead of you or the rest of the school year that you had? And how do you embed those things throughout that year so that they become meaningful for your community? And let's just talk about that for your community. What does that look like for your school when it comes to trying to map some of those things out for a school year? Okay, I'm going to tell you what I do in September, and then I'm going to tell you what really happens. 
Sure. (laughs) So I always sit down and I map out month by month what some of the things that we want to cover are. And I do that with information that I had gathered the previous spring through a professional development survey. So I ask questions. What do you want? What do you want to look like? What's the format? Then I map it out. Now, I will tell you in the spirit of honesty that about January, I have had to shuffle things significantly because we'll have a a very applicable um, kind of emergency PD that we need that'll move things back and forth a month, up and down, sideways. And so it never is clean. It never is exactly how I had planned. But if I stay committed to listening to what the teachers need or listening to the needs that our kids have that then translate to teachers' needs, it's only logical that it gets messy. So I make a plan. I diligently make a plan every year. And usually by May, I'm like, well... I tried. (laughs) And then I do another survey and start the whole thing next year. But teachers tell me that they find RPD very applicable. And it is, like I said, choice-based and they are their own experts. So it's not just Jen Schwanke standing there and telling them what they're by golly going to learn that year. Mm -hmm. It's me saying, hey, what do you want to learn? When do you want to learn it? And how do you want it to feel? Well, Jen, that is so inspiring. And I just want to recap some of those takeaways for Principal Matters listeners as you think about how you're providing professional learning for your teachers through PD. One, are you gathering their history? Two, are you asking them for feedback of what they want for choice and voice? Three, are you finding creative ways and times to meet? Four, are you planning for short and long-term PD? Five, are you spreading the word by delegating that? Six, are you using internal experts and knowing when to outsource? Seven, are you vetting your PD so that you're not just jumping on what sounds good? Eight, are you using your principal colleagues as references? Nine, how do you follow through so you're not making promises that you're not keeping? Ten, how are you making reading a part of that? And then 11, how are you you using online resources and all the available access that we have in this world to providing great PD? Well, Jen, thank you again for co-hosting today's episode and for this series that we're doing on strategies and solutions that work for school leaders. I'm learning so much just in the conversations that we're having. And I want to just thank you for the time that you're taking to invest. You're a busy principal. So thank you so much for taking time this week to share with us about how other principals can enhance their professional development. Thank you so much, Will. And I want to bring up back one point you said earlier, which is sometimes principals might hear this and say, oh, that won't work for me, or I disagree with that, or I would handle it differently. That's great. Do it. We are not experts. We're just out there throwing some ideas around. And I think that the key to all of this, just like a teacher in a classroom with students, is to, to find out what your school needs and, and do the best you can to provide that learning. So it's been a real pleasure, and I look forward to coming back next week. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I want to thank you for taking time this week to listen, to learn, and to grow. So until next time, thanks for doing what matters. And we'll see you next week, everyone. So one other takeaway that we didn't mention, Jen, that is not necessarily a take this step, but I do think it's a caution in professional development. And it's something that I've recognized, maybe it's been this way forever, and I'm just old enough now that I'm figuring it out. But I feel like with all of the resources that we have available to us, that sometimes it's easy to land on something that may or may not be that good. Right. So I think that sometimes I think in, in principal leadership, it's important to not just vet the PD that's coming into your school, but also to vet the PD that's coming into your own mind. Oh, yes. And so whether that's the books you're reading, the podcasts you're listening to, the webinars that you're watching, it is to realize that that 
not everything that you read or digest is going to be valuable. And uh, I don't know, what, what thoughts do you have on that? You know, I I think that you've brought up a very important point. I think that being a principal means to be subjected to a constant um, onslaught of the the next trend or the next buzzword or the next thing that everybody thinks your staff needs to know. And you've just got to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does this really apply to the work that we're doing? Is it applicable to what we're trying to get our teachers to prioritize. Because it's easy to jump on and get way, way off track. And I think teachers need from us right now some kind of common sense. They need us to say no. They need us to say that's not what we're focused on this year. They need us to say, okay, one or two things, not 65 things. Mm -hmm. We need one or two. And when we do that, then the teachers are able to breathe and really, really dig in and learn more about the things that we're prioritizing rather than feel like they're scattered all over the place like wildflower seeds. You know, just calm down, focus Mm -hmm. on something and do it really, really well. Well, and I think that leads to a caution that I'd like to give school leaders too. And and principal managers, listeners, I want to give you this caution also, because even in my own content creation or even in in my own podcasting where I have guests on outside of the conversation I'm having with Jen, sometimes I'm introducing topics on things that may not be the right time for your school. Absolutely. So just because you hear of a great program that's happening in another district or another place that would that may be helpful for your school district, it may not mean that it's the time for your school district to do that thing. I'm thrilled you brought that up. Sometimes I, you know, all the podcasts I listen to and all the things I read, I walk away feeling less than, like I'm not getting into it all. I need to be better. I need to provide more. And it's just like a Facebook addiction or an Instagram addiction. You feel like you're not doing things right. And to bring it up like you just did, that it's okay to not get to things right now. It's okay that, you know, it might never be a priority for your district or your school. That's okay. It's all the ideas or the energy and the inspiration we're trying to get across, mm-hmm. not a to-do list, not at all. Yeah, I think that's so important. And so it's important for leaders to remember the main priorities of their school each day, making sure they provided a safe learning environment where students and teachers feel like they're empowered to grow. And that's going to include a lot of different possibilities for what that growth looks like. You might right. not need right now an intensive professional learning community right. PD for your school. You may not need to go to standards-based grading this year, right. but you may not need a specific focus on a learning behavior program for restorative practices for your students. But then again, you may need some of those things. And so I think it's important as leaders that just like Jen said, take a breath, realize what are the priorities that you're focusing on for this year. Give yourself one or two main goals that you're going to work on and work those. And then over time, as you're able to build something strong, then you may have room to build that next thing and then that next thing. And so it can happen over time. It doesn't have to happen overnight. Absolutely. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.